Okay, you ready? Okay, next week, remember, we're just having a Thanksgiving praise service, so if you want to come Wednesday night, we're going to party down a little bit for an hour or so, and we're going to get out of here to your turkey, so that will be fine, and then we'll be preaching the kingdom again the last week, and then we're going to go with the other people who are going to start teaching on Wednesday night. So this is probably the toughest one I have to do because I've got like 45 different ones I want to do, and I've only got two weeks left, so it makes it awful difficult. You know, you think you got all this time to do these things, but you don't get very far, but that's all right. We're going to go someplace tonight, and that's it. Praise God. Okay, take your Bibles tonight. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds. Father, we thank you. We want to think like you, act like you. We just want to step into the image and likeness that you made us to be. And we thank you tonight for a, a new renewing, a new transformation in our thought life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We talked a little bit on Sunday, you know, about miracles, signs, and wonders, and basically the only thing that separates religion from kingdom, and actually kingdom from Christianity, is the power of God and the authority of God. As we start to move in the power and the authority of God, which has already been given to us, you move into a kingdom atmosphere, and it gets to be an exciting life. Christianity right now is not really that deep into, I think, signs, wonders, and miracles, but when you understand the kingdom and what's available to you, it makes it a lot easier to walk in that realm. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse, verse 4. It says, And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of who? Who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit does what? It's life. So this is telling you here that God basically has given us the ability to minister the New Testament. Not necessarily the Old Testament. You can preach on that, but there wasn't that much ministry in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we've received so many things since the cross of Jesus Christ that we now have the ability to minister the New Testament. Notice not just talk about it, but to minister the New Testament. Here it says he gives you the ability. That word there is he gives, has given you the power. He has equipped you. He has given you wisdom. He has given you the availability for miracles. We know from Peter that it says God has given unto us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. So the church for the last 2,000 years has actually been lacking what? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Even though we continue to search for things, pray for things, go after things, we've got to understand that everything we need we already have. The only thing he's commanded the church to do is go heal, cast out, operate in the power of God. So the kingdom of God has to do with the power of God. And here in the last days, there is going to be a major outbreak of the power of God and the authority of God of people who want it to manifest through them and to minister to other people. How many know if you don't want something from God, you will not operate in what you don't want? So it's going to be people who are basically a remnant of people who are hungry for the power of God and hungry for the things of God. So he said he's made you able. Say, I'm able able. to minister minister the new covenant. covenant. All right, go to Matthew chapter 4. All right, Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 17, Jesus' first sermon. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven is here. Now, when I used to hear this a long time ago, I thought it said, You better shape up, mostly, and straighten up, because Jesus is coming back soon. But that's not exactly what it's talking about. It's talking about the kingdom of God is now here. Another translation says that Christ's rulership has arrived and returned Another one says that the the decline of satanic rule has now begun. So Jesus preached this, and then basically look at verse 23. He started proving what he preached worked. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. His fame went throughout all Syria. They brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those that were possessed with devils and those which were lunatics and those that had the palsy. And he did what? He healed them. So basically he not only preached the kingdom of God has arrived, but he also demonstrated that the kingdom of God was now here. Then, of course, he got his 12 disciples and he sent them out. And what did he send them out to? To go to church? To have a potluck? No, he sent them out to do the same thing, to operate in the kingdom of God, to heal the sick. He gave them the ability to do that. Kenneth Weiss says that you need to change your thoughts and attitudes and actions 
for an invasion of the spirit kingdom power is now imminent. So notice what he tells us to change. Not our actions, but our thoughts. How many know your thoughts basically control your actions? God spoke to me one time and he said, I'm not raising you up to be a motivational speaker. He says, I've not anointed you to motivate them, but I've anointed you to change them. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I'm here to change and also change the people who are around here. Praise God. So since you entered the kingdom of God, you are no longer a powerless mortal, subject to demons, subject to the kingdom of darkness, the curse, sickness, your feelings. No longer are you the tail and the victim, but you are now the head because the kingdom of God has come. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Hallelujah. Let me just throw this in here quick. Basically, when I came in the kingdom of God, started cutting the kingdom of God, and the Holy Spirit was correcting me. How many you know he does that? He's correcting me. In my life, a lot of things in my life I was praying for. I was praying for healing, for righteousness, for. But we're not supposed to even pray for those things or believe for those things. You know, what are you believing for? Well, I'm believing for righteousness. I'm believing for this. We're not supposed to believe for them. We're supposed to believe in them. And there's a difference. Because if you're believing for them, you're trying to get them. If you're believing in them, it means they're already there. Come on now. We don't believe for God. We believe in God. We don't believe for heaven. We believe in heaven. Well, I found out that I don't believe for righteousness. I now believe in because I've already been made the. But I ain't going to do any good unless I believe in it. Are you listening? So it's the same way with power. You don't have to believe for power. You need to believe in the power that you already have. It's been given to you. When you got born again and came to the kingdom of God. You need to believe in the authority. In the authority, not for it. Everybody's believing for it are basically saying they don't have it yet. And when they get enough faith, they'll get it. But notice all these things were given freely on the cross. How many know they're free? Yes. Hallelujah. How many know that's good? Yeah, so basically I believe in the, I believe in righteousness. What do you believe? I believe I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. What, what do you believe? Are you believing for healing? No, I believe in healing. Why? Because I was healed 2,000 years ago and I'm a healed creation basically. All right, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Here it says, the day that you got born again, you became a new creation. Say creation. You were created by God. You were born of God. Everything that God creates and everything that God does has a purpose. The sun is here for a reason. The moon is here for a reason. The stars are here. The planets are here. Animals are here. Everything that God created has a purpose or God would not have created it. And everything that he created has the ability to do what it was created to do. So he created fish. What did he do with fish? Well, he gave them gills. He gave them scales. He gave them a tail. Why did he do that? Because they were created to swim, and they needed those things in order to swim. We're going to simplify the gospel. How many know it's easy anyway? But we're going to simplify this gospel down to let people know they can do what Jesus actually said they could do if they do what Jesus told them to do. Basically, it will work in our lives. So, I mean, if you never did this before or you always wanted to do this, don't wait another five years of Bible college in order to do it. Start doing it. You run into somebody who's sick, you know, just go up to them, put your hand on them, say, hey, every sickness, every pain goes in Jesus' name. Any, any harassing spirit, get in the name of Jesus and walk away. Praise God. Because I, I found out the longer you pray, the more you get in unbelief. As I've heard people pay, come out in Jesus' name. Now you know you got to come out. You know it's in the Bible. You've got to come out now. And I said you've got to. In Jesus' name, you've. Well, I mean, the devil's not that stupid. Come on, right? You don't have to play a four-hour prayer. Look at what Jesus did. He never prayed long. He said, "Come out, stretch out your hand, get up off the mat, walk." And even when Peter and them were going to the beautiful gate, I mean, they went there and said, you know, in Jesus' name, rise up and walk. That's all they, they didn't stop and have a prayer meeting. They were on their way too, which was interesting because most of us wanted to pray for him too. We were coming out of because we thought we had to pray our way into the power. No, you got power on the inside of you. You're just not taking advantage of it because it's already on the inside of each and every one of us. So you have ability tonight. One of the kingdom things we've got to learn is we have ability, we have authority. Our ability is in the power of the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of you, and he's your connection to heaven itself. He's your phone line. He's why you can hear from God. He's why you get, you get sometimes a pushing or a nudging to do this or do that. That's the Spirit of God telling you to do something, basically. Basically, it's coming down from a, a text mail from heaven. 
and the Holy Ghost is getting it, and it's in your consciousness, not once you want to do this and you want to do that, and then you do it, and it works out, basically, because it's communication between it. So we have the name of Jesus, which is all authority. The name of Jesus is basically our power of attorney to cast out devils, walk in authority, do those things we need to do, but the spirit on the inside is the power. How many know sometimes it takes power and authority? And it takes authority and power. How many know? I mean, you got a policeman, and he may stop a bunch of young guys who are out drinking or smoking or doing something, and he can walk up all day long and tell them to, to quit, quit. And how many know if they don't quit, he needs something behind the quit. So what does he do? He has a gun. He has the power to back up his authority. We've got the power to back up our authority, praise God. Not only do we say in Jesus' name, but that releases the power of God on the inside of us. But, and, of course, you've got to keep your gun loaded. How many of you know that? Don't want to be shooting blanks all over the place because you're wrapped up in the world someplace. So everything that we need, we've already got. Whether you know it or not, you are a miracle worker tonight. Whether you ever did a miracle or not, you still are a miracle worker tonight. And you've just got to walk into that and step into that because it belongs to each and every one of us. If somebody comes to church here and they're having a problem of some kind, there's nothing wrong with you. We do not, you know, some churches don't let you lay hands or do anything. You do whatever you feel like doing in here, praise God. Because if you get him healed back there, I don't have to bother with him up here. Come on, ain't that the way it should be? Ain't that the way it's supposed to be? Ain't that the way, you know? Oh, oh, don't pray for them. Just send them to me in my front office. No, take care of it, praise God. Do it yourself, and then I won't have to do it, praise God. Hallelujah. So, so we have power. We have power. It belongs to us. It's ours. We have miracle-working power. We have authority in the name of Jesus. We don't have to wait. We don't have to try. We don't have to study longer. We don't have to pray in tongues forever. You have it. And when you start using it and it starts working, pretty soon you'll start expecting it to work every time rather than getting excited when the one time it accidentally works. You know? It, sometimes when, when I used to pray for Peter, it was like taking a mud clot and throwing it against the wall and whatever stuck, stuck. Whatever fell down didn't fall down because I didn't know if God was going to do it or not. I didn't know if he was going to heal. I mean, I prayed my heart out. I begged God. I tried to get him to do it till I realized that he don't want to do it. He put me here to do it to begin with, so he definitely wants it done, but he doesn't want to do it. He wants us to do it because we're man. The only one with authority and power down here right now is somebody in a nurse suit. The devil has no authority here unless he gets in somebody's body. Are you following me? So only, only authority and power down here is someone in a flesh body, someone in the earth suit, a spirit in a flesh body. That's why the Holy Spirit came to dwell in you so that the power would be in you and the authority would be on the inside of each and every one of us. Notice when you die, you're not going to have power and authority here anymore. You're going to be gone. And I know a lot of people, I hear them talking Sunday morning about talking about a place that you go after you die and if you're still on the edge, you know, people pray you and if they pray enough, you get in and if they don't pray enough, you end up not getting in. Let me tell you, you've got to make your decision before you leave. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care what they're teaching you. If you're listening online, you better make your decision before that because we ain't going to pray you in nowhere, praise God. It's too late then. You make your decision beforehand and it's your authority to do it because once you step outside this body, you no longer got nothing here on earth that you can do. You have been erased from here and you're off in the spirit realm then. So it's very important to understand these things. But now we've got authority. We've got power, praise God. Why? Because we're in an earth suit. Jesus the man only had power because Christ the God lived in him. You take Jesus away, Christ can't do nothing because he wasn't in a physical body when he was here. But he was with Jesus. That's why he's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not his last name. How many of you know that? I mean, you hear this stuff being taught out there. Sometimes you just got to. No, it's Jesus the anointed one. Jesus the powerful one. So you could actually say, I'm Tom Christ. I'm Tom, the anointed one. Why? Because the Spirit of God rests on the inside of me, and he's there and can do the same thing that he did in Jesus' life, and that's what Jesus and God want us to do, basically, is the same thing that Jesus did. He started destroying the works of the devil. We're picking up now when he left, and we are doing the same thing, going around destroying the works of the devil. All right, go to Luke chapter 24. All right, Luke chapter 24, Jesus is just about to head up to heaven. And the last thing he says in verse 49 is, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with 
From where? Notice this power came from where? On high. So what was he going to do? He was going up. He's saying, just hold on. Wait a minute because I'm going to be leaving. When I go up, I promised I would send somebody by the name of the Holy Spirit who's now going to come and live and dwell on the inside of you. What for? So we can say we have him? No, so we can do the same thing that he did when he was here. Greater works are the same works that he did, basically, because the same Holy Spirit's going to come down and dwell on the inside of us. So they're going to be endued with power from on high. And this is important if you're going to even go into preaching the word. You must believe in the power because the power is what backs up what you're preaching. So there's a lot of places that don't believe in the Holy Ghost. They don't believe in the power. Well, basically, then they can preach the word, but there's nothing there to back up the word because the Spirit of God is not there to bring to pass what they're preaching. Are you following me? And there's even people out there in churches that, and different, not necessarily churches, but different religions that don't even believe that Jesus Christ, of course, is the Messiah. Well, that's hard because without Jesus going to the cross and shedding his blood and making you holy and righteous, you could never receive the Holy Ghost. And if you don't receive the Holy Ghost, you ain't got no power. So if they don't believe in Jesus as the Messiah and the one doing it, they're still not born again. If they're not born again, the Spirit can't come live in them because they haven't been made a new creation yet. So basically it takes place. You've got to believe in Jesus. How many of you know that? Religions out there, you can just believe in a God. Even some people say, as long as I believe in God. No, you've got to believe in Jesus because it's his blood basically that makes way for the Spirit of God to come live on the inside of you. So the Holy Ghost here basically will be poured out on Pentecost Day. Basically they said the Holy Ghost would be poured on all flesh. Say all flesh. How I many you know you have flesh? <clears throat> That's good. So he's going to send the Spirit of God that day, basically, that they did it. All right, let's just go to Ephesians chapter 3 quick. If you just knew how really afraid the devil was of you, he is petrified that you're going to start doing something. And that's why he's the one trying to talk you out of doing something. Because when you start doing it, you're going to find out he's lying to you all along. Praise God. All right, Ephesians chapter 3. Look at verse 20. Talking about God. Now unto him that is able to do. How many know God's definitely able to do? Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works where? So here he's giving you a formula here basically. What is that formula? Unto him, God can do anything. I mean, you know, we, we sing the song, nothing's impossible with God. He can do anything. Here it says God can do anything, but he can only do equivalent to what you think in your mind. In other words, if I don't think I have any power, how much power is he going to release? None. There's none there. Once again, we have to believe in what he's already given us. So you know, have the power. If you believe you have headache power, then God's going to be able to heal somebody with a headache. If you believe they got toenail power, then it's going to be a toenail. But if you stop somewhere, that's where the power stops. And notice where the power comes from. It doesn't come from heaven. According to the power that what? Works in us. Say works in me. Now, see, I didn't know all this stuff when I first got born again because I was in churches, and they were good churches, but they never told me any of this stuff. They just told me to be good, you know, do real good, do what you can. You know, they never told me healing was a benefit. They never told me power was a benefit. They never told me all these things were a benefit when I entered the kingdom of God. It was never told to me. But as you start reading the Bible, you see a word in there quite a bit that says receive. Say receive. How I many you know you receive a gift? So I found out all these things. The Bible says that you need to receive the Holy Ghost. You need to receive the authority. Why? Because it already belongs to you. There's a scripture that I was taught in there that basically really came clarity. It's whatever thing you desire when you pray, believe that you have received it and you shall have it. All right, now, so what was I trying to do? I was trying to get enough faith to believe that I have received it because if I could have that much faith, I would have it. So whatsoever things I desire, how many know when you start walking in the kingdom, you desire spiritual things? We're not talking about, you know, a, a pack of candy bars or something like that. We're talking about spiritual things. So whatsoever things I desire, when I pray, believe I have received them and I will have them. Now, why am I sure I'll have them? Because I already had them before I prayed. Understand? Whatsoever thing I desire when I pray, I believe I receive. I believe I have power and I shall have it. Why? Because I had it to begin with. 
not something that's got to come from somewhere else. You already got it, but you don't believe you got it. So I pray that prayer. When I believe in it, then I have it. So basically, it's not me getting enough faith for God to look down and say, ooh, I've got to give them the Holy Ghost because he's so deep in faith. It's got to, no, no. It already belongs to me, and it's something that I have, basically, and belongs. And the thing is, we came out of, you know, it says the miry clay. I mean, it came out of the miry clay. I like to call it the miry mind. Because we were all screwed up, thinking-wise, weren't we? We were messed up, man. We didn't know God from a horse. We didn't know nothing, praise God. And all at once we get born again in the kingdom of God, and everything changes. I mean, my God, everything changes. And all this stuff that changes, we have trouble comprehending it. We don't think about having power to do anything spiritual. We don't think about having authority. We're hoping God hears us one time when we pray out of the ten that we just prayed. And that mind starts to get renewed on the inside, basically. And if your mind never gets renewed, you will still think and act like you did even though you've got this great inheritance you'll still live like you got no power no authority no healing no victory no faith no deliverance no nothing even though you're born again but see all that stuff there all that inheritance belongs to you how many know it belongs to you reminds me of the show that uh probably date myself but the beverly hillbillies how many ever saw the Beverly Hillbillies? Here they are. There's people walking around these rags and everything else. And all at once he's out shooting and he hits and oil comes up. And all at once they become rich. So what do they do? They move out Beverly Hills. They wear the same clothes they wore before. Drive the same truck that's a piece of junk. Drive. Even though they're rich now, they still got a poverty mindset. men mindset. See, it's the same way with we as Christians. We got a lot of heavenly hillbillies. See, they've been born into the kingdom of God, but they still got the mentality, I can't do nothing. It's all up to God. I hope God does something because I'm going to need something done because things, on and on and on. And then we never change our minds to understand what he did for us. And we sing, oh, the cross, the cross, but you're not even taking advantage of what the cross provided in our lives. I mean, he paid an awful price, but he gave us an inheritance that belongs to each and every one of us, each and every one. And it's not received by your works. It's received by grace as a free gift, therefore it's available to everybody. That's why if you get in a place where they start teaching you religion and you start to try to earn things and some other new Christian comes in and just decides to believe God and he starts getting healed and delivered and prospering, you're going to get mad at him, God, and everybody else because you've been in this 20 years. 20 years I've been pressing into God for... And this guy comes off the street, just got off drugs and God heals him and blesses him and but see, it's not because of what you do. It's because of what he did. And their problem is they just decided to receive what he did. And when they did, they received it. And you're still trying to get it. You're still pressing in, trying, oh, what? A, and that's, that's where we get mad, don't we? That's not really fair. But notice, if it's by grace, we can't get jealous of one another because I have the same access by the Spirit of God as you have same access to everything that God has. So don't get jealous of somebody. Go find out how they're getting, how they're receiving what you don't have and find out basically how they do it. And it's simply by receiving. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. First thing that happens when something like that happens, people come up to me and say, God doesn't love me. He loves them more than he loves me. He don't love me at all. He don't love me. Hallelujah. Get in line, girls. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 19. Paul says, But I will come to you shortly if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but it is in what? So you, you can enter into Christianity and live without power if you want to, but once you enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, if you're going to operate in it, is in what? power. So there's got to be power demos of what we're doing, what's happening in our life that separates us from the religious. It separates us from those who basically are ordinary Christians because we're not ordinary. We are abnormal, praise God, because we operate in the power of God and the things of God. How many of you know that the Buddhists aren't preaching power? Come on, the Hindus aren't preaching power. I mean, they're, they're even going after someone where there's no power there, but we're in the kingdom of God and we have power in our lives, praise God. All right, go to Mark chapter 9.
right, Mark chapter 9, look at verse 1. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here, which shall not taste of death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with what? Now this is, of course, on the Mount of Transfiguration, they call it. Basically, Jesus was going up there. And notice what he told them. He told them, baby, there was people there at that time, because some people argue the kingdom of God you don't enter into and it doesn't come till we die and go to heaven. And basically, that's when the kingdom starts. But notice here he says that there's some people standing there who would not die until they saw the kingdom of God come with what? So that either means there's some people today who are two, over 2,000 years old who are still alive, but it can't be that way. It, the kingdom of God was there right now. Notice the kingdom of God comes with power. I was taught you wouldn't get anything till you died and went to heaven. Basically, you were just supposed to get saved, go to heaven, and, and hold on in between that time. Do your best to please God and everything. But that's not true. Because if you do that, you really have no purpose or no plan for being here whatsoever. But now we have a purpose because of the power he has given us and the authority he has given to each and every one of us. So as you study the word of God, you're going to find out that it really is good news. Say good news. How I many know good news isn't you're going to heaven, but right now you're living poor, you're down and out, you're sick as a dog, nothing's working out for you. How I many know that's not good news? So good news has to be there's a way you can live like you're in heaven on the earth right now. Right now. Not tomorrow, right now, praise God. Not after coming to church four more Wednesdays, right now. You can live that way right now because the kingdom of God has already arrived. He says there will be some standing here. We'll see the kingdom of God and it will come with power. Power. Hallelujah. All right, go to Acts chapter 1. All right, Acts chapter 1, look at verse 8 once again. You notice this is the last thing Jesus said before he left. How I many you know if you wait till the last thing to say something, it's usually something very important or you want, I mean, you're laying there in your deathbed and you want to make your last thing. It's usually something very important that you're about to say before you fade off into the sunset. Well, Jesus is about ready to go up, and here's what he says in verse 8. Chapter 1, verse 8, But you shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the earth. So Jesus says, hey, I want you to know this. You shall receive. Say receive. receive. Notice, not get, not struggle for, not try to earn. You shall receive power. When will you receive power? When I prayed for four days. When I ran around the building three times. When I blew the trumpet. No. When the Holy Ghost came upon you, you shall receive. Now, when did the Holy Ghost come upon you? The day that you got born again. So I got born again, praise God. And when I got born again, now the Spirit of God came to live in me. When the Spirit of God came in to live in me, with him also came something called power. And he says, you shall be a witness. Say, be a witness. Now, now notice, you can be Hindu and pass out tracts. And I'm not saying passing out tracts is wrong. I mean, everybody does everything. But there's going to have to be something to make us real witnesses, basically, with evidence. And that's power that the other religions don't have and the other places don't have. So we are going to witness with power in our lives. We're going to heal the sick. We're going to cast out devils. We're going to do the things that the church should be doing. Jesus started out in signs, wonders, and miracles. The early church started out in signs, wonders, and miracles. So why wouldn't there be signs, wonders, and miracles now 2,000 years later unless the teaching and everything has changed back to there's no longer there, it's no longer available, Holy Ghost is tired, the power ran out, nothing. No, it's still there. The problem is we have stepped away from it, and, and most of it's got to do with revival. And I love revival, but everybody's waiting on it. I'm waiting on revival. Revival's coming next year in November. We're going to have revival. What are you going to do from now until November next year? I mean, you're going to wait on it or what? See, and we're waiting on it and waiting for this move of God. God will move when you move. Amen. Amen. He's on the inside of us. We are delivery people. Amen. Domino's delivers pizza. You deliver the Holy Ghost to people, Amen. praise God, who need it. Amen. Glory to God. There's power on the inside of us. We have to see ourselves, where we're at, what we're supposed to be doing, and what he's really done for us. And people say, I love Jesus. How are you doing? I'm sick. I'm down and out. I'm poor. I don't even know how they can love him. <laughs> how do you do that? 
I love Jesus. What do you do for her? Well, I'm sick, and I'm suffering with Jesus, and I'm down and out, and we ain't got no money. We're broke. We're getting kicked out of our house. Well, I don't know if I'd love Jesus or not if I wasn't that cheap. But no, you love Jesus because what he's done for me, what he's provided for me, everything that he's done. I mean, he's given me authority. He's given me the name. He's given me power. He's given me divine health. Praise God. He's given me joy. Praise God. He's given me peace. All right, go to Isaiah chapter 10. All right, Isaiah chapter 10, look at verse 27. This is prophetic now. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off of thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of what? The anointing. So here that he's prophesying. Now these, these people did not have the anointing back in this day and age. The Spirit of God came upon the king, came upon the prophet, came upon the priest basically to do something in that day. But they didn't have God living on the inside of them. So they were subject to bondage. In other words, if they got in bondage, they couldn't get out of bondage because they had nothing that would override the bondage. So Isaiah is trying to cheer them up a little bit and saying, in the coming day, you are going to receive something called the anointing, which is the Spirit of God. And when you get the Spirit of God basically in your life, you then are going to have the ability to take care of yokes and burdens, not only in my life, but in the lives of the people who are also around me. That word anointing means to be rubbed and smeared. Say rubbed and smeared. Now, how many know it's not talking about Vicks vapor rub? It's talking about the Spirit of God that you've been rubbed and smeared with. And this power, notice it's bigger than yokes and burdens. Every time Jesus with the anointing ran into a yoke or burden, how many know the anointing won? That's why it says, greater is he that is than he that is because already on the inside of you, you have the advantage, praise God. It's already on the inside of you. The devil's been puffed up so much that half the people see him as a giant devil sitting over the United States, keeping us from doing anything, praise God. You should look up and see the Holy Ghost over the United States, delivering people, setting them free and doing things, praise God. Leave the devil out of it and bring the Holy Ghost into it, and it'll make some big changes in people's lives. So he said, in that day, so there's a day coming when the anointing is going to be available to every person. Now, how, do you, how many of you know these, these people would love to live in that day? Wouldn't you? Hey, there's a day coming when you don't have to live in that bondage anymore. Oh, when's it coming? Well, we don't know yet. It'll be coming, but it will be coming. So they hold on, hold on. How many know they died? And now we're living in that day, and yet we can't get excited about what they were excited about, and they never even got it. And we got it, and we want to say, oh, no, God's got all the power. We can't do anything. It's up to God. We don't have any power. It just doesn't work. And so we're denying, basically, that day that already came and gave us the power of God now on the inside. So you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and this power is big enough to destroy all the works of the devil. All right, go to Luke, Luke chapter 4. All right, Luke chapter 4, look at verse 18. Jesus is speaking. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So here Jesus comes basically, and he comes to earth, and he, he gets baptized in the Holy Ghost and as the Spirit of God, and basically he walks in and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, say because. Now, the church for years, first of all, didn't believe they have the anointing, and even if they did have it, they didn't know what it was for. But Jesus believed he had it, and he knew what it was for. Why was he anointed? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now notice, you've got to understand what he's saying. He didn't pray somebody into prosperity. He preached them out of poverty. See, he didn't go, 
be rich in Jesus' name or whatever. He taught them wisdom and knowledge. They didn't really need deliverance. They needed knowledge because they weren't operating in God's way of finances to begin with. So he was preaching them the kingdom of God so the poor would start to operate in the kingdom of God. And once you start operating in the kingdom of God, you can no longer be. You're going to end up being. And then you've got to change your mind to understand that you're rich rather than, or you'll go right back to being. Hallelujah. All right, look at the next one. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Now, how many of you know that's not only natural, that's spiritual blindness? See, in the church today, we, we give out sticks for people to get across the street in. But no, you don't do that. We, we've got the ability to heal the blind, to, to make them see again, to set at liberty them that are bruised. We have the ability to do that, and it's all by the anointing of God and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What was the acceptable year of the Lord? Happened every 50 years, everybody was dissolved of all their stuff, all their debts, all their everything, praise God. And look what happened. He said, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, when is now the acceptable year of the Lord? Y2K, 2000, was that it? No, now. It now is a jubilee. It's already here. It's not going to come every 50 years. Jesus brought the jubilee with him, basically, and it's freedom for every single person who enters the kingdom of God on a daily basis. Say a daily basis. See, I didn't know I didn't have to have bad days anymore. Until I found out I was living in the Jubilee. I didn't know I didn't have to be sick anymore until I learned I was living in the Jubilee. I didn't have to learn that I couldn't be depressed anymore because I'm now living in the Jubilee. But we accept things because we have accepted things over the years and we just take them as being natural and normal and they are for someone who's not in the kingdom of God. It's normal for people outside the kingdom of God. Are you listening? Worry, worry's accepted in the church. Somebody can walk up to you and say, I'm just so worried about everything. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you're worried. I'm so sorry. But worry isn't part of the kingdom of God. He said, cast all your cares upon me, and I'll take care of them, because we don't do that. Jesus said, why do you worry about what you eat, what you drink? Shall you? So it's completely different. Worrying is no longer in the kingdom of God. When you're a kingdom of God thinker, you don't worry anymore. You keep fear out of your life. It doesn't belong there anymore. Sickness, disease doesn't belong to you anymore. All these things don't belong to us anymore because we're different. But in the normal church, most people accept those things. See, it's the natural way of living. Of course, it's the natural way of living, but we're not natural or normal. We're now peculiar. And peculiar people live in something different, praise God. So as we hear the word of God, we're going to move out of that stuff. So it's the acceptable year of the Lord. Say the acceptable year of the Lord is right now. All right, look at verse 19. He came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. How many know he had their attention? And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now notice, he made a mistake there, didn't he? Oh yeah, he did. He said, this is the day. Now if he'd have said, in two weeks... The power of God's going to flow. In a year from now, power. But he said this day. How many know that made every person in that place mad? We never want it to be today. We want it to be in the future someplace. Revival, next year. I'm moving the Holy Ghost, next year. Heal the sick, next week. But Jesus said it's available today. And notice what they did. Where is it? Verse 28. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with joy, peace, excitement. Filled with wrath. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him into the brow of the hill whereupon the city was built that they might cast him down. So how many know he made religion mad? Probably made Christianity mad. Because he said today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you can lay hands on the sick. Today is the day you have the power and the anointing on the inside of you. Today is the day for you to be healed. Today is the day for you to be blessed. But everybody wants to do it in the future See, that's okay. That's all right as long as it's in the future. We're going to see a mighty move of God when the next revival comes. When's it coming? I don't know, but it's coming. I heard somebody prophesy over here. It's coming next week. And another prophet over here said it's next month. And another one said it's going to be in March of next year. Well, why not have revival today? Why not be a walking revival today? But we want to put everything up. Well, it's coming. It's coming. You know how many years I've been hearing it's coming? I ain't got many more years to wait for it to come. It's time for it to come today, praise God. It's time to do something today. So as long as it's coming Sunday, he was doing fine. Everybody's amen and hallelujah, praise God. And then he said today, and they went, oh, I throw him off a hill, man. I ain't done to that guy. He ain't going to say today in my church, praise God. I'll tell you that, not in my synagogue, glory to God. 
I mean, when we used to operate, and then the thing is, the church has been so mixed up entering into the kingdom of God that anything supernatural that happens brings fear rather than excitement and faith. People run out the back door, praise God. People in the old days used to run around the church. Now they run out the back door when the power of God hits the place. Well, it shouldn't do that. We're spiritual, supernatural people who need to be expecting this stuff, and we don't expect it. We're even afraid of it when it takes place. When we used to do the Sunday night services down in the Holy Ghost Inn, which is the Holiday Inn, back when we first started out, every Sunday night we did a Power of God service, and the Power of God was flowing and, and hitting people, and people were down, and people were laughing, and people were shaking, and people were getting free, and people were coming. And, I mean, we didn't get big crowds. We got some people who came and then came back, but we had more that came and never came back never came back why is that because what was going on finally from down south they sent up some bozo from down there through a large organization there that basically doesn't puts the power of god in a box someplace that it ended 2,000 years ago and they come up to scout churches that are moving in the power of god to try to get them along with them saying it's not real well it's too late once you experience it it's hard to say it's not real when it's already reeled you a couple times praise god so he comes up and, he, and knocking people on the floor and he's walking around and he's got his notebook and he's writing stuff down, stepping over bodies. I mean, what an idiot. Steps over bodies, writes stuff down. I don't know what he's writing down. So afterwards he comes up and he says, uh, what do you think of this uh, phenomenon that you are doing here to where people that you lay hands on are falling forward? I said, well, they don't always fall forward. Sometimes sideways, sometimes back, sometimes straight down. You don't really know which way they're going to go. So he's going, I mean, I didn't know what answer he wanted, and you know, I was telling God, I like to knock him right on, to knock him right on his bazooka. But of course, I wasn't led to do that. I didn't know if I was going to do it with the fist or with the power of God. I hadn't made up my mind which one. But but there's people like that who are basically, and these these aren't outsiders. These are Christian people who are trying to keep that stuff out of the church because it's no good anymore. It doesn't work anymore. It's not supposed to be around anymore. It's fake. It's everything else. But once you get touched. Once you get touched by the power of God, nobody's ever going to talk you out of it again. I'll tell you what, it just can't be done. It just won't be done. When, when you feel the presence of God and you know how good it is, praise God, you just, it's just it for you. It doesn't matter how bad things get or anything else. It's good, praise God. Glory to God. Remember on the mountain, we looked at that earlier, transfiguration, and praise, praise God, Jesus glowed his whiter than you could get it even when you washed his clothes and the disciples got knocked to the ground and fell down and, and Peter got up and said it's good to be here remember that <laughs> it's good to be here can we build three tents <laughs> a father son holy ghost tent and stay here and, yeah what was it they didn't even know what happened you understand they didn't even know what took place but they just knew best God this is good stuff here you know so even back then it was taking place if you read the Bible and read it like it's already in there so the power of God is real it's something we should be expecting it's something we should be believing for it's something we should be believing in more than for because we've already got it it's already on the inside of us but and what will help you is to see it operate now you don't have to believe it and see it and then believe it but I'm saying if you got it I'm telling you if you if you're reaching out to pray for someone or lay hands on somebody you're probably believing something or you wouldn't be doing it right. I mean if you just didn't believe you had any power at all you ain't gonna you ain't gonna look like a fool but it already says you have the power so once it's you see it working once you see it touching once it see and then you don't have you get over that about worried whether somebody's going to get touched or not you know I first started doing it I didn't know you know do I lay hands here or there or or do this or do that or do this but once it started working and you know the, the first time I laid hands on people the probably the first 10 people that came up I never even got to they got up about three feet from me and they got knocked down they got dropped they just dropped right down and and the next one dropped and I go to the next one and drop and the next one drop I thought, man this thing's loaded I better put it <laughs> I better put it away somebody's gonna get shot down here before it's over this thing's really because I mean you learn this stuff listen by doing this stuff that's how you learn it and then there's times where God says you know lick your finger and put it on their forehead why I don't know and I don't care as long as I do it and put it on their forehead and the power of God touches them I don't care what he's doing at that point praise God so you just follow the Holy Ghost. You do what he tells you to do. Now, you can't do this if you're very prideful. Because you'll think, if I lick my finger, what if they catch something off my germs? Or they sue me? Or they do this? Or they do that? Or they... See, if you're analytic, 
You're going to have some issues to break through before it's over. You're going to have to God just beat you a little bit with the word of God and with the power of God in your life. Praise. You get to a place where you don't care. You don't care if they fall down, stand up, shake power. You just want them free of whatever they got, and that's all you want, praise God. And I found out most of the time you get what you're believing for. In other words, if I preach on healing, how many know I'm believing everybody comes up is going to get healed? There was a time when I just laid hands on anybody, and I didn't know, wasn't really, I was just believing to touch them, basically, and I wasn't really targeting it. Then I found out later on, I, if I targeted it or preached the word before it, it worked a lot better. Yeah. See, if you preach healing, they're a little excited about healing, they believe healing, so now we're in agreement when they come up, you lay hands on them, and you're sort of releasing the power. What for? Healing. There's something there. In Jesus' name, be healed. Be healed, be healed, be healed. Like the last thing we did, what did we do? We did get religious spirits off people's mind. So we just go, get, go, get, go. Because the power of God moves that way, and you set people free that way. So basically, it comes once again, you've got to understand you have the power. How many know Jesus knew he had the power? Yes. Most people don't know they have the power, and they're spending their whole Christian life trying to get something once again that they've already got. Or some people got it and want to deny it. They think it's pride to say that they have any power when they don't understand in order to fulfill what God wants them to do. They need power in order to fulfill it. So basically to deny the power of God isn't humility. It's just shutting you off from fulfilling the purpose that you were put here to do. God's got all the power. Any, anybody ever heard that? God's got all the power. He does, but he put a lot of power right on the inside of you since he had all the power by the name of the Spirit of God. So we don't want to deny the power. And if you confess the power, you'll make people mad. Do you have any power? Oh, yeah, Holy Ghost is in me, praise God. Greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. <laughs> what? So you hear people talking about it. You hear people preaching against it. You hear these stuff. But this group here at the end, they're going to be people that don't care. Number one, what people think. What people think of you. As long as God likes me, it doesn't matter who else likes me or don't like me. don't matter how many people I offend. Most people you offend needed it. Yeah, they needed it. Yeah. yeah, so don't feel bad about offending them. If they had the devil, the devil needs to be offended. Amen. So you offend him, praise God. And if they don't come back, they don't come back. But at least you've got a seed in there. You've got something planted in there. All right, one more quick. Acts chapter 2. Sort of in a rambling mood tonight. Is this helping anybody? Yes. Good. Right, Acts chapter 2, look at verse 1. First Holy Ghost meeting, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, how many know it has come? They were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound of heaven of a rushing mighty wind and filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here's the first time that the Holy Ghost came. Jesus said, hey, it's coming. I'm telling you, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost in power. The Holy Ghost comes down. He fills the believers, and he immediately began to do what? Speak with other tongues. So people want to argue against tongues. Well, if you're going to argue against tongues, then you also have to argue about being filled with the Holy Ghost, because if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to end up speaking in? So I just can't eliminate tongues and tell you to be filled with the Holy Ghost, because if I get filled, I'm going to end up speaking in? Then I'll have to explain why I didn't tell you that you can't have tongues, and now you've got tongues because I filled you with the Holy Ghost, and now I'm all messed up, and I've got to come up with a new doctrine that some people get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, and some don't. See, you can mess yourself up. It amazes me, praise God. And the Spirit gave them utterance. Now notice, look at verse 12. And they were all amazed, were in doubt, saying to one another, What meanest this? Others mocked and said, these men are full of what? They're full of what? Now, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody fill of new or old wine, but how many know they look a little different than anybody else? They, they don't walk quite straight. Sometimes they fall down. Sometimes they slur a little bit when they talk. Sometimes they can't see very good. Sometimes they. So it's obvious to these people who knew nothing about the Spirit of God or about anything else that they saw that something was wrong with these people. And of course, he got up and just said, hey, Prophet Joel said, the day comes, he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. So they were telling him what it was. How many know this, this had to shock the minds of these religious leaders 
in that day who didn't know anything about this. But notice, there was a reaction being touched by the power of God, being filled by the power of God. So there's nothing wrong with manifestations of the Spirit. How many of you know that? And manifestations of the Spirit are there. Paul had manifestations in his ministry so that you would put your faith in the power of God that's where? Not in Paul, in you. He said, if I can demonstrate the power of God and tell them they've got the same power, then they're going to understand that they've got the same power. So that's why I lay hands on people so that you have faith in the power of God that's on the inside of you. So how much faith you believe in, in the power of God makes a difference, whether you have it or not. And that's why Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1 that he wanted us to get a revelation of the exceeding greatness of his power that's on the inside of us and his power is to us. God is not keeping it from us. One time I was in church where they thought there was a great big balloon up there and had all the power of God in it. And if you, if you got to God and, and prayed a good enough prayer, he'd stick a pin in and a little bit of power would be raped down and you got underneath it. And if somebody else did a good, I didn't understand that the whole balloon had been dumped on me when I entered the kingdom of God. So all these things belong to you. They are yours. You need to believe in the power, not for the power. In righteousness, not for righteousness. In healing, not for healing. In the things, all these things belong to each and every one of us. And the more we understand it and believe in them, the more you start operating them. You won't be fighting sin all the time. You won't be fighting addiction all the time if you understand and believe in righteousness that you have. Because righteousness doesn't do that kind of stuff, praise God. It just doesn't do it. Now, an old sinner saved by grace, I mean, they're not going to have any problem sinning. They'll do all right. They know how to sin. They're going to do it. And they expect to sin. And they think sin is all right. Because I'm a saved, but I'm a sinner saved by grace. So it's what we think. And that power on the inside of you will start to go to work as you believe in these things. And it will start manifesting in your life and in the lives of other people. And that's what we're put here to do and fulfill our ministry. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word again tonight. I thank you for the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Holy Spirit, I thank you for living in me and every single person here and every single person that's born again. And I thank you this revelation in this day and this hour will start to flow like a mighty river. That people's eyes will be opened up. That the blinders will be removed. That the religious blinders will be taken off their eyes. That they will see what you did for us on the cross. Of what you provided for each and every one of us. And I thank you this church continues to rise up. We continue to be a light to this community. We continue to set the captives free. We continue to operate in the power of God and then the anointing of God. And Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our daily lives in our families and the people around us. And we give you the praise for everything done in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, we will see you Sunday, Sunday, Sunday.